This is the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler, Ryan Jumpert, and Jack Foster. All right, here we go. Welcome into Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast. My name is Rick Butler. Joining me down the table to my left is Jack Foster. To my way left is Ryan Shumpert. Good evening, gentlemen. We are sitting here overlooking a very dimly lit Neyland Stadium. It's around, what, 11, 15 p.m. There was a big football game here today. In fact, a home opener game today sold out. 101,000 people, 915. So certainly a big crowd, but... Man, what an eventful game to talk about. How are y'all doing after the end of the long day? Doing well. Like you said, end of the long, long day. And uh, certainly a, a game that, I don't know if it was super eventful, but certainly turned out to be a lot more eventful with a lot more storylines than I think yeah. uh, anyone, certainly the three of us, were anticipating. And that's kind of good for us. Gives us something to talk about. I was expecting to see a 70-10 to 10 beat down today. And yeah. look, lo and behold, we have a 30-13 to 13 game and a lot of storylines to talk about, a lot of things to talk about heading into Florida so like Jack just said, Tennessee wins by a score of 30-13, to 13, but admittingly, guys, we talked about this on the podcast heading into the game, we talked about this on videos, I'm sure radio interviews, I'm sure the whole nine yards, we really felt like this was going to be a game where Tennessee dominated, there was going to get to be a lot of rotation between the offense and the defense there in the second half, and obviously Tennessee had a little bit of a slow start coming out of the gates, Austin P was able to capitalize a time or two and really stop Tennessee's momentum and not even really momentum, but just stop Tennessee from gaining any sort of momentum at the beginning of the game. Ryan, what did you think just from a broad standpoint overall, uh, just where your thoughts are with this game? I think it starts with obviously Tennessee's offense and I think specifically the passing game. I mean, the first play Tennessee ran from scrimmage kind of set the tone. Brew McCoy was basically running wide open down the middle of the field. Joe Milton threw a ball that was a little bit behind him, but a ball that Brew McCoy should have caught and he dropped it. And that signaled the issues that would continue really for Tennessee all game is they just could not get any semblance of a downfield passing game going and you know that's a phrase we'll probably use a lot in this podcast downfield passing game but when we say that we're not talking about like passes 20 30 plus yards down the field we're talking about passes just 10 yards down the field uh and kind of those plays that are those passes that are often pretty routine or at least routine looking in Josh Heupel's offense in the intermediate passing game yeah, very concerning that Milton was unable to hit some of those crossing routes and like like you're talking about those that downfield passing that we're talking about. But I agree with Ryan and set the tone early as far as how Tennessee's offense was going to perform today. The receivers didn't do Joe Milton any favors. It's not all on him, but he was not great today at all. Um, a lot of those drops, quote drops, were also bad passes, whether it be behind or a little high. But the receivers weren't making any plays either. Just not a good day from this Tennessee offense. Yeah, you know there was a lot of kind of. There was a lot of conversation coming out of the game last week against Virginia that Tennessee had a, a little bit of a slow start and they never really fully settled into the game. I think you saw that even to a bigger extent in today's game. And yeah. again, whether it was the quarterback, whether it was the receivers, just there was a lack of being in sync on the field. And I, and I think that was something to really kind of note because you're kind of at this point where I wouldn't say that Tennessee has any sort of daunting schedule coming up over the next few weeks, but you start your conference slate. You go to Florida. You you host South Carolina, a team that maybe is still a little bit of a boogeyman from last year, right? We don't know what that game is going to entirely look like. My point trying to be, they have their conference schedule next up on slate. 
This was sort of a, a little bit of a concerning showing heading into SEC play. Yeah, I'll put it this way. I said on our preview podcast going into this weekend that I thought the way Tennessee played against Virginia, the way that team looked, would go 9-3 and minimum this season. Well, the team that played Austin P tonight, I mean, let's not forget, it's not like Austin P is some FCS giant. They're not that. Uh, they got beat handedly by South Illinois last week. I don't think Austin P suddenly, you know, over the course of one week became this good football team. If Tennessee plays like they did against Austin P tonight, they would lose against every other opponent on their schedule. I, I believe that to be true. I mean, heck, they had to score within one minute remaining in the first half to even take the lead by halftime. So it was a very, very bad performance from Tennessee. Don't expect we'll see it to this level again, but it is concerning. Certainly, and, you know, I think they might they might have been able to beat Vanderbilt's performance. <laughs> But to your to the whole point, the, yeah, gener- yeah. the general point, like the, the two easiest games on Tennessee's schedule were the first two games. Maybe UConn will prove easier than Virginia, but relatively comparable, and I think UTSA will be better than both. Yes. So uh, Tennessee, I mean, it's what Josh Heibel's message was after the game. They got to get a lot better, and they got to get a lot better offensively. You know, I think if you want to have positive spin, and it's not even really a spin, but again, just like. Josh Heupel very aware of how bad they were tonight. I mean, he was even asked about what he liked, like where he thought they got better from game one to game two, and he said like a sentence about the defense playing well, the special teams being well, and then immediately went back to how bad the offense was. So it's not a Butch Jones. We'll never, we're never gonna, uh, we're never gonna complain. We're never gonna apologize for winning press conference or anything like that. I think Josh Heupel, more than anybody in the state of Tennessee, was frustrated, upset with how his team played. Ryan, you and I talked about this on the RTI Instant Reaction Show, which is over on the Rocky Top Insider YouTube account. But just kind of, we're st- we're talking about this downfield passing. We're talking about Tennessee's passing game. And look, Jabari Small even said after the game, and this was kind of in reference to a different question. But he talked about how this is a different team, one that is trying to find their identity. Ryan, when it comes to that downfield passing game, I mean, how, how concerned? How concerned? Should we be? How concerned are you just about this for Tennessee's offense, knowing that hey, in a lot of ways this is kind of what you know ultimately the offense sets up, what the running game sets up, what just a lot of things set up the passing game for this team? How, how concerned are you? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not really sure how concerned I sure. am. I guess and, and look, the game ended only a couple hours. Yeah, so we're still processing. I think some of it, um, you know, on one hand, I'm kind of like, all right, Tennessee, two games in the season, they. You know, they haven't really hit a deep pass. They hit what, maybe Romel Keaton for a, a, some close to a 40-yarder last week against Virginia. Obviously, he got open and dropped one against Virginia. They didn't even really take many shots at all down the field in this game. So I think the fact that you have some easier games and you're not hitting it, sure, there's a level of concern. What I would go to more than that, and this is a point I, I said I think multiple times in the offseason, and Josh Hobble kind of talked about it tonight. Both Virginia and Austin P have really played two safety deep. Let's take away the deep pass. Well, if you do that and you take what the defense gives you, tonight especially, the intermediate passing was open. open, And Tennessee couldn't take advantage of it. And that's what I said this offseason when I talked about the transition from Hendon Hooker to Joe Milton, the quarterback for Tennessee. Last season, you heard all these coaches talk about, we just need to you know, not give up the big play, get our feet in the ground, make them earn it. Well, it didn't matter. Tennessee could, could beat you eight plays down the field, nine plays down the field, slow drives, methodical. Maybe not slow in terms of timing because Tennessee's tempo, <laughs> but a lot of plays and kind of methodically. I was curious and kind of questioned how effective Tennessee could do that with Joe Milton, the quarterback. Through two weeks, they haven't looked very good doing it. There's just not enough consistency, not enough continuity uh, to be able to drive down the field when teams defend those big plays, which I think 
makes it more concerning that they haven't had big plays because if you can't take advantage of it, teams are going to continue to play defense to take away your big plays, and you're not going to get them. And, you know, it wasn't working early, and we saw Tennessee's offense just shift to this dink and dunk, you know, just a bunch of short passes, quick releases to get the ball downfield because that was the only way they could outside of running the ball, which they've still been fantastic at. So I think it begs the question, like, you know, as the schedule gets tougher, do you keep trying to to get the intermediate passing game going? Do you keep trying to get that downfield passing game going, or do are we going to see this Tennessee offense shift to that more basic style it is predictable, and it's going to make defenses' lives easier, but I don't know if that's the way you can move the ball. They, they did it with relative success tonight. It's Austin P. granted, but I don't know. Maybe we just will see kind of a shift in Tennessee's offensive well, side. And that's an interesting thought right there because I, I, I do think that, you know, yes, this, this is a Tennessee offense that's going to have a lot of built-in deep passes down the field in it, despite not seeing in these first two weeks, like Ryan was talking a minute ago, against likely the two easiest teams on Tennessee's schedule – so I say that, but I also do think that, especially over the next couple of weeks, and, and again, I, I have no idea what's going to happen over the course of the season, but I do think that we're going to see a lot more of this kind of short passing. And I'm not even talking about short necessarily in, in terms of outs, in terms of slants, in terms of stuff like that. We're talking bubble screens. Yeah, we're talking wider receivers. RPOs. Yeah. RPOs, absolutely. We're talking horizontal passing, not even short game passing that's, that's five, six yards down the field. So... I do think that obviously the deep ball is going to be in the bag. I think that's in the repertoire. But at the same time, I think that you, to me, after these first two weeks, that indicates that, that, that this is how Tennessee is going to try to get that passing game going it is relying on their receivers to do something with the ball after it's in their hands. But again, it goes back to one of the other points that the, the receivers did not look necessarily convincing tonight. No, they didn't. And I guess we'll get to that in a second. I, I had thought on two things both of y'all said. One on what Ricky, what you were just saying, you know, Tennessee, Joe Milton and Tennessee receivers have not gotten any continuity to start these games, and they haven't been able to get into a rhythm. I wonder if we see Tennessee, especially, put emphasis on trying to throw those screen passes early in the games, and then kind of to Jack's point about the identity of this offense that I think was already leaning towards, or de- you know, in a developmental mode, going towards being more run heavy. Tennessee's defense is better. To what degree, we'll figure out uh, over the next month, but they're better. And the SEC, list me to offenses that have looked good on Tennessee's schedule so far. <laughs> that that's a topic that, that we will. That's a topic we'll get to on on Wednesday probably. The SEC yes. has not looked yeah. good. Yeah, and I don't want us to get too deep into it. But I think when you almost when Tennessee last year, even last year, Tennessee had a great season. You went into these big games, Phil. Like Tennessee needed to score maybe thirty five uh, to win. They might have needed to score at least thirty points to win. All of a sudden, your defense is better. These SEC offenses aren't great. You can score. You can kind of play a little bit more field position and not have to go, all right, we got to get 30 if we have a chance. Right. I think that could further kind of that development of Tennessee leaning on the run game and maybe not taking as much risk uh, in the passing game, especially if Joe Milton doesn't show more growth uh, than where he's been the last two weeks. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, again, that was kind of one of the things that, that was an offseason talking point is – you talk about Joe Milton's accuracy. He said he felt like he was a, a more accurate quarterback going into this year because he wasn't just transferring to Tennessee and then playing with whoever was on the team there. This is a guy who's had a couple of different years, and, and I know that a guy like Dante Thornton has just arrived to the team, but Squirrel White's been there for a year. Mel Keaton's been there for, for Milton's entire showing there. Brew McCoy's been here for a year, so there is continu- continuity there. I just think that Tennessee needs to figure out how to – uh, effectively take advantage of that early on because some of these slow starts are 
uh, are really kind of jarring. They are jarring. I mean, Tennessee's passing offense has given you nothing to think that, you know, they're going to turn it around sooner rather than later. I don't know. There's, there's just not a lot of positives at all. I mean, you talk about Tennessee's offense when it comes from a passing standpoint tonight. The best play is the McAllen Castles touchdown, and that was just because Brew McCoy was bullying a defender all the way down the yeah. field and to where Castles could score. So, I don't know. It's just a tough look right now, and there's just not a lot of rhythm at all. No, and, you know, I don't know how much blame falls where. <laughs> Certainly, I don't think Joe Milton's been great, but the receivers haven't given him any chance. I mean, it's... Yep, yep. The throws that are slightly inaccurate for Joe Milton that should be caught that help yeah. you get into a rhythm and help you uh, kind of, you know, not have these drives stall out. And that's the thing. Tennessee's offense just couldn't get in any rhythm because those drops not only kept you from getting in a rhythm with the passing game, you didn't get plays. You were out there punting again. Uh, so right now uh, it needs to be a lot better. I mean, I would even, you know, Bruno McCoy and Ramel Keaton, which are two guys that are kind of the veterans in that room who – are looking to step up into a bigger role. Both of them have had pretty bad drops in early in games the last two weeks that yeah. have hurt Tennessee. Yeah, when we talk about the passing game being concerning, it's not just the guy who's throwing it. It is, yeah. It's the whole pass itself. It's the pass and the reception. Tennessee obviously struggling a little bit there on both guys. I don't think there's a ton that we need to get into about the running backs. They had, a, they had another good game. That's going to be a... To me, a, yeah. a very reliable and consistent group for Tennessee this year. I just think, you know, all the talk about three-headed monster, and I agree, but it, it tonight showed you that, you know, Wright and Small are still the top two. You know, there's still a clear pecking order, and, and Wright was explosive yet again, still looks like the best back, but Jabari Small is obviously really good too. So, not yeah, like you said, not much to talk about. Yeah, after being, I think, 13-13-12 last week, it was 13-13-3 with Dylan Sampson being the three guy this week. So, uh Certainly that is kind of, I think, more than anything, the thing that stood out to me about the running backs is not nearly as many touches for Samson this week as last. Anything on the offensive line or, or any other kind of offensive thoughts, play calls, schemes, anything like that before we flip the script a little bit? I mean, I know it's been two easy opponents, and we've we're been saying that a lot, but I thought, I thought Tennessee's offensive line has done pretty well these first two weeks. That they had, There hasn't been many plays where you're just like, wow, that dude blew that block, or you know, Tennessee's offensive line is a liability in this moment. I feel like they've done pretty well, given the fact that Cooper Mays has been injured. Yeah, I definitely think they've gotten better from early fall camp till this, when the season started. Like, I think the growth of that group uh, is pretty apparent. Not perfect, haven't had a ton of huge tests yet, but so far so good for them, I think. Let's, uh, let's flip the script a little bit. Let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. One player that was talked about a lot during the post-game press conference, and, and for good reason as well, by both the, the head coach of the football program and then by some of the players and teammates as well, but that's Aaron Beasley. A guy who, I don't want to say stepped up in this game because we know that Aaron Beasley is a leader of the team, we know that he's a leader of the defense, but he stepped up in terms of the guy that's next to him, the guy that was projecting to be right next to him for a good long while, Keenan Peely, was not in. So he talked about after the game, he's been playing a little bit more Mike and Will linebacker this week. He, he was practicing at both, taking some reps at both, but nonetheless... With or without Keenan Peely next to him, that guy is an absolute firecracker on the field. I mean, phenomenal, just athlete, phenomenal athleticism. Got to the quarterback a good few times today. I believe he had not just two sacks for 19 yards. I believe he also had five tackles for loss for a loss of 24 yards. Maybe against Austin P. that's not too memorable or not too noticeable. But when you have to start having those kind of stats in SEC play, that's going to be a fantastic tool for Tennessee's defense. Certainly, and... 
he's just been around the ball a ton the last two weeks, uh, very consistently. You saw Austin P today, you know, tried to mitigate their disadvantage on the line of scrimmage by throwing a lot of quick passes, yeah. a lot of screens, and Aaron Beasley was all over a lot of those. And, you know, you just, even you take Aaron Beasley out, you just say Tennessee had 14 tackles for the loss, seven sacks tonight. Really good numbers. Yeah. He had just over a third of those tackles for losses and just under a third of those sacks. So yeah. his production was, was pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, so so fast, just you can't say enough good things about his start to the season, and he's the best player on this Tennessee defense right now. Yeah, I, I would I would definitely say that as well. I was impressed by Wesley Walker. I thought he was able yeah, to do he, he hits people so hard. He it does. It's so good to have a guy like that on your defense. Oh, my gosh. Can we, just smacks wow. people. Dude, real quick. Hey, real quick. Can we talk about Elijah Herring getting just blown up on, on, on that first drive? Not once, but but twice. I mean, he got popped. Talk about a talk about guys who hit hard. Elijah Elijah Herring got hit hard on a couple of different plays. Yeah, I think Ryan said it, and they were investigating or they were reviewing that play that Rick's talking about for targeting on that Austin Piazza's line. Maybe it was used. I don't know, but. It, it was like, uh, has an offensive lineman ever gotten ejected for target? <laughs> ever. In the history of football. I can't take credit for it. It was a good line. Yeah, it was me. Yeah, it was you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which, I, I mean, it, it wasn't targeting, but uh, I guess we'll never know. <laughs> Elijah Herring got blasted into the atmosphere <laughs> on that second one especially. And I'll tell you what, like, at the time it didn't feel like it. And obviously I don't think Tennessee loses if that place goes differently, but... Austin B moving the football, that kind of stalled out that drive and led them to just getting a field goal. Could have been a whole, they scored a touchdown there. Tennessee scored, what, six points before the last drive of the first half? Yeah. Could have changed the feel of the ball game at least a little bit. Don't think it would change the result, but uh, put a little bit more pressure on Tennessee's struggles. But at, while we're here at the linebackers, I think one guy we got to talk about who got a ton of run in the second half is Jeremiah T. Lander, and I thought he looked really well he in did. his first you know, bulk action, if you will. Yeah, bulk action, certainly a, a good way to put it. Ryan, over to you. Maybe not a specific player, although you can mention one if you'd like to, but, but just kind of overall thoughts on the defense today. Again, letting up 13 points to Austin P. I believe it was around 350 yards or so total uh, that was allowed in the game. So just kind of overall broad thoughts on the defense. No, they were pretty good. Uh, again, we kind of just hinted at it some, and we talked about it in our uh, stand-up on YouTube. But I thought Austin P. schemed some things really well, um, but... Other than that, when it was just kind of mono and mono, Tennessee's defense dominated like you'd expect them to. And uh, a number of guys I thought played pretty well, especially along the line of scrimmage. I thought it was good to see Josh Josephs get some more snaps than he did last week and have some uh, success rushing the passer. And again, I was just kind of crediting the Austin P play calling. I thought two great play calls or designs by Tim Banks tonight, too. There's two fourth downs in the second half. Austin P had around midfield. Wesley Walker. Perfectly timed blitz from safety. Yeah. Very quickly sacks the quarterback, and Aaron Beasley had one uh, possession or two later. We came right up the right through the A gap and uh, got a sack. So uh, two good play calls there. Uh, you see Tennessee so much emphasis on Tennessee get, getting better uh, all offseason, rushing the passer with four guys. Even though they're better there, you still see the aggressive way they want to play and a lot of blitzes and pass, passing situations. Tennessee's defensive line lived in the backfield tonight. And props to Austin P for trying to combat that and get the ball quickly, as Ryan said. And I thought they were very creative in how they did so. And also hats off to their quarterback, Mike Diliello. I mean, <laughs> he was just a... 
He was just grinding through it tonight, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he was. He had no time. There was no, there was no time for anything to ever develop for Austin P's offense, which of course is credit to Tennessee's defense and pass rush. But you know, props to Austin P for sticking through it. I guess. To that point, though, like I did feel like there were points in the game where Austin P was like. We don't really care about your pass rush. Rush as many as you want. Rush them fast. We're going to get the ball out quick. Yeah. And there were times when they did that, and they were very successful at that, too. So, again, I came away with this game, not that it's going to matter, not that I'm going to think about it again this season, <laughs> but I came away thinking, you know what? That Austin P offense, it's got some pretty good wrinkles to it. I wonder, I wonder what they could do. Think about this. The, the quarterback... Th- attempted 39 passes and he ran the ball 29 21 times. Wow. <laughs> he was, he's a he's a read option king. Like he has, yeah. he has some really good play. One time he might have still been been running if his offensive tackle didn't tackle him. Or maybe it was his tight end tackle. <laughs> Tennessee had no one near him and his tight end tackled him in the backfield yeah. for a three yard loss. That was good. I guess my last thought on, on that note uh, on Austin P note uh, another observation. I don't even know. I don't have their head coach's name written. You know, little J journalism by me. Oh, I do. Hold on, I'll get it. Addicted to taking timeouts. <laughs> yes. Taking timeouts is that dude's. I've never seen someone do that. Like hey. dude's crack cocaine. Scotty Walden. Scotty Walden. Scotty Walls. Scotty Scotty Walls burned all three timeouts in the first half in the first <laughs> quarter and all three timeouts in the second half in the third quarter. And wasn't a. Wasn't one of his timeouts before Tennessee could run a play at the start of the second half or the second quarter, maybe, was his last timeout? It was the second quarter because Tennessee had, uh, it was fourth down. Tennessee was going for it on fourth down on the first play of the second quarter. 15, and he called And he called He he said, no, we we got to talk about this one a little bit more. You knew they were going for it, too. It was the, there was the longest stretch because I think maybe Tennessee called I don't know. There was a super long stretch before that play. There was something else that happened, too. Maybe an injury timeout. Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> they had to talk about it quite a bit, though. They did. Yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah, they did. Guys, kind of wrapping things up, though, as we overlook, again, a, a pitch-black Neyland Stadium out here. One of the concerns, or maybe not concern, but just one of the talking points coming out of the Week 1 game against Virginia was that Tennessee's special teams unit was not necessarily up to snuff. What did you guys think about just how they were able to respond this week? Again, we know they're going into a big week at Florida next week. What you got, Ryan? What you think about the the way the special teams unit responded today? I thought they were, for the most part, we'll start with Jackson Ross. I thought he was really solid, and his first punt today was not very good. I think just thirty yards. So I was like, oh goodness, here we go again. But and his, it went out of bounds again too, right? It did go out of bounds again, yeah. And then his next three punts were all really good, including one of them that was muffed. Uh, the yeah. second one was muffed and set up a Tennessee field goal in the first quarter. So I thought a good sign for him. Uh, he averaged 43 yards per punt, pretty solid. Uh, again, I think we're starting to see it with the right left foot. It's just very much whatever side of the field's more open is what they're going with. But I think he's been better with his left foot so yeah. far. Uh, his best punt today was again left footed, and I think his second best punt last week was left footed. And I think those are his only two punts he's had was his left feet or left foot. No, I agree. And you know, Rick, you talk about maybe concerns or talking about. I think there was definite concerns after that Virginia game about Ross, sure. about Turbyville with the kickoffs. He had one go out of bounds, but outside of that, he was booming it through the end zone for the most part. And then someone we didn't really get to see a lot of last week was Charles Campbell, the transfer kicker, of course, from Indiana. Converted all three tries today. Granted, they were all short. But he looks solid, and overall, the special teams unit today, a good bounce-back performance from last week's lackluster effort. You know, guys, just like the, the fan base will be, we will be processing this game just over the course of the weekend, and as we move into next week, we will save all of our, 
I guess, week three thoughts. Uh, Tennessee, Florida this week. It's going to be a big one. We'll save all of our week three thoughts for Wednesday's episode of the show. I, I think that's going to be our day to kind of recap our final thoughts on this game. We'll preview the Florida game a little bit. But ultimately, guys, for me, the moral of the story is there's absolutely aspects of this team that Tennessee needs to get cleaned up. They need to get their offense in rhythm quicker. They need to clean up some of the details when it comes to just positional places, when it comes to some of the penalties that they're creating. There are, yeah. just, there are plenty of aspects that Tennessee absolutely has to be better at. Now, from a broad perspective, does the defense look better? Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's a really positive sign. But there are still plenty of things on that side, too. It's just fascinating that we're, we're sitting here talking after two weeks, after really maybe Tennessee's two easiest opponents of the season – we're talking about offensive concerns here. I think that's just an interesting place for Tennessee to be, but certainly a, a lot of growth despite the 2-0 start. Yeah, it's sloppy and it's not in sync. It's It's got to get fixed on the offensive side of the football. But one last thing I'll mention that we haven't mentioned yet, got to give the flowers to Kamal Haddon tonight. For getting he turned his head. He finally turned his head. And what he happened? He got a pick. Got the pick. Only took two pass interferences on him for not turning his head first. Yeah, exactly. And he's on balls that one of them he would have picked if he yes. just turned around. It would yeah. have fallen in his lap. And as far as coverage, I know it's been two bad offenses these first two weeks, but he's been the best coverage corner uh, for Tennessee these first two weeks. Uh, didn't he go Slaughter's been besides falling just, down on one play? I don't, I don't, don't think they. I don't did. think you could say Slaughter's the best because of that one play. I don't think people been, have been throwing at him though very often. Well, yeah, people haven't been throwing at him because he's guarding his receivers. His receivers saying. not yeah, yeah. open. Yeah, I think he he's been very good, but we just haven't been able to see it as much. Yeah, I, I would agree with Maybe. that. But I see, I see your point, Jack. I, I, see I, I, I just feel like Haddon has. Been good in coverage. Yeah. And then finally, he could have four picks this year. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, but I, w- I would say multiple of those picks are pass interferences, and I would say three pass interferences are close to one busted coverage for a touchdown. Okay. It's interesting math <laughs> that you're doing right there, but I, I, think I mean, that's 45 yards. I think the touchdown was about a 50 yard touchdown. So <laughs> from that standpoint, pretty similar. Yeah, I think it was a 52 yard play, if I remember. Yeah. If I remember the the internet correctly. Ryan, any kind of final thoughts? No, I'm not gonna. I don't have any final thoughts. So I'll just throw, throw it back to you. I think we've hit everything, gentlemen. It is a. It has been a late oh. night. Go ahead, Jack. One last one, please. Nico didn't see the field tonight. Yeah. Major L. For yeah. Tennessee, that Nico yeah. did not get to have extensive That's action. That's got to be disappointing for the coaching staff. We talked about Thursday. There's not really many opportunities moving forward in the season for him to get that action. So this was the chance for Tennessee to do so, to see eight out there on the field, but didn't happen. Yeah, certainly a lot less rotation than you would have liked to have seen from the offensive side of the ball. Defense in the third quarter, and especially in the fourth quarter, they got their rotations in. They, they, a ton of guys saw the field, and that was really good uh, for Tennessee, including some of the young guys like, Wait, so we had a Caleb Herring sighting towards the end of the game there. So yeah. some of that stuff was good, but from an offensive perspective, nowhere near as much rotation as you would have liked to see. There are plenty of guys who just will not get reps before they might need to be called upon in a certain situation coming up this year. So Tennessee, they did their job by getting the victory on the field today. That's something that both Josh Heifel and Joe Milton alluded to, but not necessarily in the most successful way of what I would imagine the game plan and the goals were going into this game. Yeah, 100%. Gentlemen, that is going to wrap it up for us today. Thank you very much for uh, hanging out with me these last 20, 25 minutes, 27 minutes or so as we wrap up a a long day here in Knoxville at Neyland Stadium for the first of the season, the second game of the season, but the first right here in Neyland Stadium again. Number nine, Tennessee defeats number 
Number nine, Tennessee defeats Austin P by a score of 30 to 13. You almost said it. Number three, I, yeah. it's about, right? Yeah. Sure, we almost got there. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm due for a miss here when it's about 11.45 at night. So, <laughs> hey, thank you very much for listening to our show today. In case you want a little bit more Tennessee coverage, again, you can ever head over to the Rocky Top Insider YouTube channel. That's just at Rocky Top Insider over there. You can find Ryan and I stand up from, uh, from after the game. And you can go and check out RockyTopInsider.com for all the best Tennessee news notes and coverage as we continue to go through this game weekend here and we get you prepared for a massive showdown with Florida next Saturday night in the swamp. As always, you can go and follow Rocky Top Insider at Rocky Top Insider on all different social media platforms. We are there at uh, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Wherever you are, we are there as well. So make sure to be going and checking us out. If you want to follow Ryan, you can do that at rshump00. That's S-C-H-U-M-P. If you want to follow Jack, you can do that at Jack Foster Media. And if you want to follow myself, you can do that at Rick underscore Butler. Just R-I-C like the nature boy himself. But otherwise, gentlemen, we are going to head back to work. Eventually, we're going to make our way out of the stadium at some point tonight. But until then, thank you so much for listening to the Rocky Top Incident Press Pass podcast today. We will see you back for the next one in the middle of the week to preview Tennessee-Florida coming up this Saturday. should be fun. Thanks so much. We'll see you back for the next one.